Yeah. All right. Cool. So three, two, one. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart God Media. Today, I have some very special guests to promote a new film that they both created. Uh, I believe written, uh, both wrote and directed uh, the Bergeron Brothers or Bergeron Brothers, as it were, and uh, a mockumentary commentary or comedy. Uh, yeah, it's so just a commentary on the film that they did. It wouldn't actually. And Blake, I, I, I assume you're probably not familiar with how this podcast is. It's very fumbled. It's almost like uh, if Fred from Howard Stern had his own podcast. I have. I actually have no idea how podcasts even. I've been waiting for you just to show up. I thought you were going to come <laughs> and just stand outside the window and just call yeah. her questions out at the window and. We just do it from there. We eat some ham sandwiches or something. Or yeah. That's not how it goes. No, exactly, exactly. I, I guess uh, I, I, I was more so referring to uh, just how this podcast works. We're very unorgan. I'm a very unorganized uh, kind of mess, and I don't, I don't adhere to any podcast rules. I guess. Uh, if there are so- rules, no. Oh yeah, there's. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten many a complaint that I don't adhere to podcast rules. So. Fuck them. I'm yeah, I'm fuck I'm them. glad we're all here to break them. So let's fucking do it. Uh, That's right, man. But this is uh, gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Obviously, uh, you're you're an old face uh, to this podcast, an old voice, as it were, mm-hmm. to this podcast. But uh, Blake, introduce yourself, uh, Ben. You as well. Uh, what you have to do with this film, and uh, let the people uh, let the people know who you are and what you've done unleashing this upon the world well what's up everybody it's uh ben deedles here i am back on the podcast i believe this is my third appearance oh on yeah this program lucky number three lucky number three um and yeah filmmaker uh writer um podcaster sometimes musician just all around dude from pittsburgh i guess you could say and yeah, I co-wrote, co-directed, co-starred with a gentleman who's here in my house right now, uh, Mr. Blake O'Donnell, uh, the film Bergeron Brothers, Wedding Videographers. That, w- that was so nice, dude. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What's up, everybody? This is Blake O'Donnell. Um, yeah, it's my first time here. Thanks, uh, Jess, for having me on here, man. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, I can kind of copy and paste out of what uh, Ben just said there, man. Yeah, same deal. I've been an uh, uh, independent filmmaker for some time and working with a bunch of uh, people, you know, good and bad people over the years and finally bumped into uh, this guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we made a few things along the way, but then um, we ended up doing this one, Bergeron Brothers, Wedding Videographers, which, yeah, same deal. I uh, helped co-write, co-direct, co-produce, co Star, co edit, co. <laughs> I don't know. Co eat the vendor food. Yeah, that's true. See, I already like where you went with that when you were explaining that you've worked with good and bad people. Because I feel oh, like yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't. Maybe it's like just the the high road. I I love I love hearing dirt. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna grill you guys for dirt, but um. <laughs> But I love when they're like, oh, yeah, that guy was a fucking piece of shit. Like, uh, I don't I, it was on a an older one of our first podcast. Uh, I had asked uh, someone that ran a, a, a horror T-shirt company. I was like, hey, would you ever be interested in coming on the podcast? And they said no. And I fucking let them have it right on the podcast. And I, and I know all 13 people that heard it were fucking like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> But no, no, it, it is. You're right. It's it's good to just like, you know, you have to dig up the dirt and kind of like bitch a bit because I think especially in, in our crowd and as like indie artists or indie filmmakers, everyone's so used to just like, just basically like handling each other's balls and kissing ass like we have anything 100, to lose. 100%. We have nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, no I, sense. I, I, I'm already digging the vibe. Uh, This is, this is going to be good. So I got... I got a few questions upon watching. I watched the film today. I was I planned on watching it a little earlier, but I I, I had my uh, my dog get spayed, and she came home from uh, getting spayed today. So I've literally been carrying this horse around so she doesn't rip her sutures. Uh, oh, 
so Bergeron Brothers was like the therapy movie for yeah, your dog. Yes, this was the first film she watched post-op. That's great, man. That's a first. Uh, and she seemed to like it. She could see most of it through her cone. Um, <laughs> That's how I watched it, too. Yeah. But before before we jump into like all the 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 meat and potatoes, the, the nitty-gritty, and the fucking the popcorn and Clark bars of the movie, let's... How did BPO Films start? It's you two. Is it another gentleman too, or is it just you guys? Yeah, so it's it's Blake, myself, and our, our good friend Ryan Littner, who um, is actually in uh, you know a bunch of the movies too. He played uh, Keither in uh, Bergeron Brothers. Um, you know, like the goth kid or the ex goth kid who likes to hang out in the cemetery or whatever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I've known Ryan since I was in high school. Uh, we're, we're old chums, you know, from back in the day. And, um, yeah, I went to film school. Um, you know, I dropped out, obviously. But, like, during that first year of film school, uh, I actually ran into this guy, Blake O'Donnell. He was in one of my uh, first film classes. Although we didn't really, like, hang out or anything, Um I do remember that everyone had to turn in an eight millimeter film. This is how old we are. You know, we still shot on film when we were in film school (laughs) and uh, everyone else's films sucked. And like mine was like, great. But then they played Blake's and I was like, fuck, (laughs) this guy's actually pretty good. I was like, God damn it. I actually have some competition here. What the fuck? And then uh, we met, I was maybe about a year or so later. uh, I was in a band at the time called the vacancy kind of a, a punk alternative sort of band uh, I was in for a while. We needed a music video, and Blake was one of the guys that showed up at my apartment one day with, with another dude and was like, here to make your video or whatever. And that turned into a little mini movie, and then we just uh, sort of kept in touch. And, um, yeah, about 10, 11 years ago, we just started making stuff exclusively, the three of us together as sort of like a comedy trio kind of thing. And... Uh, haven't looked back since. Now, is it kind of, was it just kind of kindred spirits and you're like, fuck it, let's do this. Let's just, let's just have fun and, and make content. We'll make films. Like, was it just kind of throwing caution to the wind and just saying, fuck it, let's put rubber to the road and just start doing it and just, just go full bore. I think that's how it is. Yeah, we just we've just never stopped making things for the past decade, and um, you know, I mean, not not to gush too much over Mister O'Donnell over here, but like he's a funny fucking guy. So it was just like, you know, I know talent when I see it, and it would just made sense to like keep doing things together and, and you know keep pushing each other when it came to that kind of stuff. So yeah, just we just kept doing things, right? Like. Yeah, man. You know what? My even before meeting up with Ben and Ryan, like for uh, actually filming stuff, like really getting into it. Like I said, kind of at the top about working with bad people. Now I don't want to say they were all bad, but I worked with a lot of different people and like kind of learned my own way as I went. But one of the problems was the whole like put your money or lack thereof where your mouth is to like make a movie. Just go out and do it and make some real stuff and get into it and really not worry so much about what you're making and just get into it and get dirty with it. And, um, and that's what uh, Ben has. Ben's got that kind of like spirit where he's not going to let the petty shit stop you from doing the real shit and to really get into it and to really pull the best out in you. And I work with a lot of people who sort of like, didn't know how to like throw their hat into the pile to say like okay i'll do this let's make this movie everyone just kind of like step back and waits for the other guy to do something and ben's that type of guy who's like we're making a fucking feature film now so <laughs> are you in because it's happening and it's been like that for years you know we've done a bunch of shorts we've done like little web series and so much like random shit but these are we're the only group that just is firing off features our own features too which is awesome we're making our own stuff how we want to make it and we're just we're just so fucking good <laughs> we're so funny that every film that we make at least the features they're getting better they're getting bigger there's a, a bigger audience there's a bigger following more money is coming into it more people want to play with us with better gear 
and and I know it's a testament to Ben, and it's a testament to BPO of um, showing what it means to be a real artist, to actually get out there and make some fucking art. I think you touched upon something I think uh, uh, resonated with me, someone who is the furthest thing from a filmmaker. I'm just simply a film fan, but uh, there's so many people that I think want to be filmmakers or want to make a film or want to create that content. And they're so concerned about what their first project's going to be. What, uh, you know, they're so concerned about like, it's more so like, uh, it's more of like a makeout session where you're like, you're, you're excited about the opportunity of possible penetration, but you're just, (laughs) you're almost like you like to torture yourself. You're like, yeah, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to do this, but yeah, I don't really have a good idea or anything like that. And so many people, I feel like, kind of uh, squander their opportunity to kind of just jump in and start doing it. Whereas you guys just said, fuck it, let's just jump in. Let's start making shit. Let's start doing it because there's only one way to fucking do it. And it's at, to actually do it, to get experience, get hands-on experience. Um, I mean, there's so many filmmakers that we could rattle off right now that you know didn't go to film school or didn't finish film school that just said... Well, you know, or, or they did finish film school and, and said, you know, like that was nice and dandy, but getting the hands-on experience and just actually putting your nose to the grindstone and saying, well, fuck it, let's make, let's make a movie. Uh, and so many people, I feel like squander their opportunities because they just, they're so hung up on like what the first film's going to be. What am I going to do? How do I want to perceive myself? Do I have a social media presence that's going to uh, you know, portray how I want to be portrayed and making my first film. Is anyone going to like my first film? Whereas you guys, I feel like just from an outsider's perspective and only seeing uh, only some of the work that you guys have done, Jess, I can just already get a feel for you guys kind of, because I remember when Slaughter Drive was being promoted and, and you guys were kind of just like kicking that out. And I was seeing like everything, uh, all the promotion for that and, and, and seeing people talk about it. And I know didn't, didn't Joe Bob, uh, recommended or he featured it in a in a tweet or something like that right mm-hmm. yeah yeah he had someone on his staff actually review it but it's on the joe bob website so it counts <laughs> it, yeah it goddamn right even if he didn't review it he you know one of his lackeys or whatever he was like hey why don't you get review this movie yeah. for me all right <laughs> exactly uh, it's funny because I getting that review. I actually met Joe Bob Briggs um, when he came to Pittsburgh. It was about a year and a half ago, and I went with uh, co-host of my podcast, uh, Greg Harrington. Shout out to uh, Greg. To see, yeah, shout out to Greg. Um, to see his live show, he does a great live show. That was the, the Rednecks. yeah, the Redneck Safe Hollywood. That was so great. It's a great show, and uh, it was a meet and greet beforehand. And I brought a copy of Slaughter Drive in. I actually smuggled it in in my pants because I was worried they were going to be like, you can't get a hand with Joe. Like, you can't do that. So I was like, fuck it. So I gave him, like, this sweaty, like, copy of Slaughter Drive that I pulled out of my pants. <laughs> and uh, I was like, hey, Mr. Briggs, you know, I'm a big fan of it. You, know, you never know if I'm ever going to see you again or whatever. So I had to give you this movie I directed. And he was like, he directed this? He's like, wow, this looked really cool. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, got a picture with him and shit. And then uh, I figured he just threw it in the trash. And then, like, you know, a year or so later, it ended up on his website. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, Joe Bob, uh, same thing. I went to, uh, when he was doing that tour, he came through Syracuse. And uh, I checked him out. He, he was just, uh, he was great. And, I mean, that's awesome that, that he, it made its way somewhere, whether he watched it. And said, you know, hey Luke, take a, take a, take a pen to paper, get a review written up for this boy. Um, <laughs> but uh, regardless, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Like it's it's the more just doing it and not just talking about. it. I feel like with uh, with filmmaking, independent filmmaking in particular, I feel like uh, I I feel like there's I don't want to say I don't want to say it's like not as like cool but i feel like i feel like the independent film so many people are like well i want my first film to to be this or to be that at least just from this is my outside perspective of why i think so many independent artists don't there aren't as many independent artists and i know when i say that yes there's a lot of independent filmmakers but i don't they aren't as out there as you guys are at least at least 
you know, maybe it's because, you know, Ben, you, you obviously have Neon Brainiacs with Greg and, and that kind of links to BPO and you guys just kind of push the content. But I feel like even when I, even before I saw the BPO shit before I even discovered Neon Brainiacs, um, so that's that's kind of I think that speaks to it, uh, you know. And I'm excited that you guys kind of the the poster art immediately before I knew anything about the film. I know uh, Ben, you sent me the poster art. I think after we did, uh, what did we do? We did an action movie. In Commando. Commando. Yes, Commando. we did. We did Commando for Action Movie Month, and you sent me the artwork for this, and I was like, oh my god, this fucking the artwork for this is amazing. If this does not scream. Like fucking like, I don't. It this just screams like like an eighties, like uh, just like a late night like HBO movie. It it just yeah, like one of those yeah, ones you'd see on cinema. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was like meatballs meets like fucking like one crazy summer. You know, just like some weird like, and immediately, uh. I gotta hear what if there was is there any direct influences for the film as far as the writing goes and what you guys were aiming for was there any films that like gave you kind of either influence or inspiration or direction because immediately I don't know why that scene and I'm, I I assume both you Ben I'm I'm almost positive you have but Blake have you seen uh, Bachelor Party, 84, Tom Hanks. Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, okay, so that for, that scene when they're taking pictures with the mother and the kid at the beginning of Bachelor Party, <laughs> that's immediately, yeah. when I saw the poster, that's immediately <laughs> what I thought. Nice. Yeah, that's high praise in my book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for the film itself or, or just the poster art? The, the, po- the, the poster, but, like, with the name, like, uh, uh, Bergeron Brothers uh, wedding videographers. That is immediately what I just thought of was like <laughs> when they're just taking taking uh, pictures with with the uh, the full uh, what what should I say the uh, the well equipped woman in her yeah, child. Very chesty. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and it immediately it like it just seeing the poster alone brought me back to like being like ten years old and watching Bachelor Party and you're like oh my god this is fucking amazing. Uh, you know, watching it at two o'clock in the morning on Cinemax or whatever. Um, so immediately the the poster art, I just can't. Who designed the poster? Okay, so um, the poster itself was an idea that we all had. Um, actually, sort of ripping off the the stakeout poster. Have you ever seen the cover? Of oh Steak yeah! Out? Oh yeah! With uh, Richard Dreyfuss and Emilio Estevez, where they're like under the bed. Um, and I was like, wouldn't that be great, you know, especially for this movie, if we were underneath the wedding dress, you know, we kind of like rip off that that thing. So we actually took pictures of, um, we actually hung up a wedding dress in Ryan's garage and took pictures underneath it and then sent it off to a really great artist. His name is Mark Schoenbach. He does, um, his company is Sadist Art Designs. Um, he's done a lot for like shout factory and all kinds of like big labels and things he did the poster for slaughter drive as well and uh we sent off those pictures to him just gave him the idea and he uh sent back you know the poster that you see and we were like yep that's it like that's exactly uh what we were going for you know just that uh sort of like you said late night comedy kind of vibe um and harkening back to things that we grew up on as, as kids, you know, like bachelor party was a, was a big deal to, to me, uh, growing up, you know, things like meatballs and, you know, even stakeout for that matter was, was really big. And, uh, just really, just really trying to inject that old school comedy flavor in something new and still feeling fresh, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now it's, it's, it's so lost, like the kind of, cause watching the film i got like it was it was refreshing to see i mean it wasn't over the top but there was slapsticky moments in it that just kind of brought me back too to like a a simpler time in movie making and i feel like almost that like simpler comedy i guess if you could say it like for instance like i'm 33 and my girlfriend is four and a half years younger than me and i'll show her some movies that i grew up on and 
you know, when we're talking like, uh, like any any Chevy Chase movie, you know, F- Funny Farm, yeah. any of the vacation movies, Fletch, like, Fletch, hell yeah, like that just that shit is lost on her most of the time. Like she does not like she doesn't like get it, and it's definitely a generational thing. So seeing like the movie poster and watching the film too, and seeing some of that like translate too, and just seeing like. You know, like the the bathroom stall scene, for instance, like seeing something like over the top like that, like that immediately brought me back to like Caddyshack with fucking Spalding with the Snickers in the pool. Like, it yeah. just, you, you know, that's exactly like what I was kind of feeding. So I love that I could, you know, like a, like a fat hound dog sniff out, like even if it wasn't direct influence, the, 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 the inspiration, I guess, or, or what you guys grew up loving. Yeah, I mean... You sniffed it out all right. I mean, Caddyshack is is huge for me growing up, um, and I I love that style of comedy. You know, I I, I really do. Um, and yeah, we wear our influences on our sleeves. I mean, there's no no doubt about it. We are old school comedy fans, and we bear no bones about it. When you say Blake, absolutely, yeah, and that what the coolest challenge with this movie and and we actually had not only that mindset but we had that goal in mind we started the outline for this film was not only to like yeah of course inject uh, our own influences things like that into it but the real goal was to make sure we put in every single type of comedy that we could possibly do you know obviously not everyone could do comedy and all that stuff but every kind of comedy so that it's guaranteed to make everyone laugh. Everyone is going to laugh at this movie in one way or the other, at least at one scene, one line, one thing. And and every time I watch it, you can see it. It's like we've got snarky dialogue or there's like weird, awkward silence moments. There's over-the-top, yeah, shit explosions and practical effects and there's, you know, weird busting through shit and like pratfalls. It's we just made sure that it was all in there and um and it's so refreshing i I love watching it because it does it has just everything in there of the comedy where we didn't do like the more i feel like even in the past 10 15 years or so it's hard to get a good funny comedy that's not starring huge actors who actually aren't funny and have a script that's kind of not funny and making them do stupid shit you know and then it just doesn't translate well but we uh, between uh, me and ben especially we've had a chemistry for years of all the other things we've been doing it's almost been like tryouts of like every little skit every all the other movies we've done that we know how to play off each other and how to improvise together and to be able to like really make an effective comedy that it's so dumb to think about but it is it's like a stupid science to it that when you see people who just aren't funny try to be funny, it's embarrassing to me. I don't like watching it. It's like, well, I think we talked about this before. You know when a, like actors or actresses in certain movies, especially like more low-budget movies, when they swear in the movie, but you could tell they don't really swear in real life and that it's on the script that they say, fuck you. And so in the movie, they're like, well, you know, fuck you. And you're like, that doesn't sound like when it kind of hits your ear weird. I feel the same way about comedies, that... If someone is not actually funny and tries to do something funny on screen or whatever's on paper, it doesn't work. It's just, it isn't good. But we were able to bring together everything that we had. And not only that, the people that we got involved and all the other actors involved in it just blew it away. Like they got it, which was insane. Like so many people that we've met along the way and we just kept them in our back pocket to know as we were writing, like, okay okay that guy that girl like we are bringing these people in and they just murdered it everyone just killed it and i think it's it's a it's a nice point to for dialogue too uh, some of the funniest it goes back to you know what you were just saying where if someone isn't naturally like comedic or they don't have like they don't have that comedic bone when they like you said if they're saying fuck you in a film it sounds very manufactured when they do say it on on camera but what I like about this is it makes me feel like some of the dialogue and it makes me feel, uh, I don't know, like that the one scene uh, where the uh, the dude who stole uh, Flynn's wife, when they first roll into his studio or whatever, and, he's, and he said, 
what do you say? He's like saddlebags there, dumpy ass there. Like I don't I don't know why like that line popped me. And my girlfriend was like just on her phone and she's just like, What are you laughing at? And I was just like, I don't know, that was funny. It it goes back to like uh mo- a comedy, I think, in my eyes, delivers on a very simple simple can deliver on a very simple formula. If something that isn't meant to be like the like the chuckle or the laugh moment necessarily makes you laugh. I go back to some of my favorite comedies and we just co- we just covered this on on our podcast about uh our favorite horror comedies actually. Uh we talked about The Burbs cuz that's my favorite horror comedy of all time. Oh, yes. Some of the funniest lines in that film were not meant to be the funny lines. <laughs> when Rumsfeld goes, "It's very high." Uh yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> fucking like slays me. We're like, Art, your wife is home. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that shit fucking like, like just annihilates me. Like no one, like I've seen the burbs in a movie theater in Syracuse. And when he goes, that kid, that kid next door is a meatball. Like yeah. no one laughs me and like three of my friends fucking lose it. <laughs> like every time. Well, let, I mean, you know, you got to give credit to Bruce Dern because he is just unstoppable in that fucking Yeah, the delivery is Why don't you shut up and paint your fucking <laughs> <laughs> That dude steals that fucking oh, move. Well, it's, shit. And, yeah, like, he does. That's such a great contrast for him, too, because he grew up, or, you know, he made his bones as a, like, serious actor and was just so revered as, like, a serious actor for so long. And uh, I know he had done some comedic stuff, but, like, he fucking, like, kills it in that movie. He's so goddamn per <laughs> Like, he is, like, him and uh, Rick uh, Dunkerman are, like, fucking amazing in that. Well, I, I think that's there's something there, too, where Bruce Stern, he's not actively trying to go for laughs. No, he's no. He's just playing that character. He and plays character, it serious, too. Yeah, it, it, it he plays it straight. Yes. And that's, that's the thing. It's, like, even in the Bergeron brothers, like we cast people who not all of them are comedians, obviously. And, but you give them good lines. And if they act like they're, you know, like they're basically a lot of these people are just reacting to the ridiculousness of the Bergeron brothers. And that's, what's funny is because they're just like reacting to it as the audience would, you know, they're almost like, like Lance's character, especially is like the audience surrogate in this movie and you know he's not really going for jokes at all but he's hilarious in the movie because of his reactions to what the Bergeron brothers are doing yeah he he was enjoyable to watch like uh in in talking with him on here and just getting a feel for for how he is too i think it made me enjoy his character that much more and just kind of made me really like for for me he was exactly what you said the audience surrogate like it was just so uh the it's amazing that you know you guys as indie filmmakers can find people that because i feel like i'll see some indie films sometimes and you can tell that the people they got to do it or are just doing a favor and they're not really committed like everyone (laughs) a part of your film this film seemed like one just maybe they're just great actors but it seemed like they were it was an enjoyable thing because everyone seemed to I don't know. It had a good, a good like chemistry. I don't, I don't know. There was something. Everyone that was in it just seemed like it didn't seem like you're like, oh, well, Janet called out. Can you please do this role? And like, they, no one seemed uninterested in acting in that film. I'll just say that. And we're, we're in other independent films. It, it's very evident that some people, it's a favor. And you know, and to that too, like um, again, from shit talking of working with other people on my end, they're a bunch. Of bleep, and John is a piece of shit too, you know that guy. <laughs> but the other people that I've worked with, and like, or other sets, even you know, where it's comedies or not, that there are people that they don't know how to really manage a set, and and especially that when it's like people just doing favors or for a few bucks just to help make some art. And there's some people who kind of let sets go and become dysfunctional and uncomfortable, and too much time. People are grouchy or pissed, don't want to be there, and and then it you're getting shit back on screen. You know, like no one wants to perform that. No one wants to help. And, um, and I've seen that. I've definitely not on all sets, but I've seen it on sets and I've learned from that. I've learned like, you don't want that because these people are taking their time out of their lives to be a part of your weird little game on paper. And I feel like everything that we've done, especially we've had bigger casts and crews and well, they could, 
they can call in right now and talk shit if they actually had a bad day or whatever. I'm sorry that you had a bad day. But I feel for the most part, we keep it together really cool and very comfortable, very um, open for ideas and to improvise. And, and everyone seems to always have a good time. And then it brings them back, you know, and the people want to work with us again. And, uh, and it's really cool. Yeah, no, that, that's for sure. We try to keep a really light atmosphere when we're doing things because, you know, filmmaking can be very stressful. You know, you have a game plan in your head, you show up and, you know, there's some guy outside hammering away on his roof or something and you got to pay him five bucks to stop for 10 minutes so you can get a scene done or, you know, there's all sorts of other factors involved in filmmaking that a lot of people don't think about when they're watching it. But it's really easy. It's extremely easy to get stressed out and start yelling and make it a weird atmosphere. And it just takes people right out of it. And Mm -hmm. we're really conscious of that when we're making things. And we want to make sure everybody's having a good time. We, We also try to, like, make sure, like, people show, like, when they show up, we get their scene done first so they can go home so they're not sitting around forever. You know, we've, Blake and I can both attest we've been on sets where, like, you spend 12 hours sitting around waiting for it. And then, uh, you know, they're like, ah, we're not going to get to your shot today. So can you come back tomorrow? Like that shit <laughs> will just suck you right out of it. Yeah. And uh, we're really conscious of that when we're making things. I mean, yes, of course, I'm sure there's some people that have been like, I had a long day on a BPO set. <laughs> but what are they talking about? <laughs> we're at least having fun. You know, like we, we try to make everybody like want to play in our sandbox and want to come back and just have a good time. So when was this movie filmed and when, or how long did filming take place? Did COVID interfere with the, the filming and or release of the film? Uh, no, we actually shot this two years ago. Um, and yeah, no, it, uh, it didn't interfere at all. This was long before, uh, you know, COVID-19 and uh, the Acacia strain or whatever's going on uh, right now, <laughs> um, long before that hit. So, no, we didn't have to deal with any uh, COVID regulations or anything like that. We really got lucky with this one. Um, reason it took so long to come out is uh, we were we were just literally having, having uh, problems trying to find uh, somebody to distribute it. And I think, honestly, weirdly enough, because of COVID and because, you know, uh, there's not a lot of movies coming out because a comedy with no stars is is a tough sell to a lot of distributors, to be honest. Um, you know, most distributors are looking for indie horror or, you know, something exploitation that's going to grab an audience in. Uh, most indie comedies, not a lot of them get picked up because, you know, if you don't have a star in it, then they don't have anyone to put on the box and, you know, they don't think they're going to sell any copies at Walmart. So, I think we kind of lucked out due to COVID that the comedy landscape right now is pretty barren. There's not a lot of like just straight comedies coming out and uh, we kind of lucked out in that regard. Yeah. I think it's, there's something going on with the comedy genre right now where, and I've honestly, I felt it for like 10 to 15 years where I think it's slowly, like, I know it's, like, the sign of the times and things like that. And I know, like, you know, pretty much from American Pie to Super Bad, the raunchy comedy was, like, a thing. And it was so, like, popular. And now I feel like we've we we've kind of swung the other way. Where I, I don't think people know how to make, in Hollywood necessarily, is what I'm talking about. Uh, don't understand how to make a comedy that isn't super edgy or raunch. They don't know how to make like an old school comedy. I'll say, like, right. well, dude, it's marvelized. Yeah. It's that like oh. everyone wants that go to the Walmart entertainment. So if I watch a Marvel movie, it's funny and it's neat. It's fun to look at. It's some action, PG romance, and then I go home, and that's it. So everyone just kind of figures, okay, well. uh, What's Thor is going to make a fart joke. <laughs> and yeah. that's it. That's as far as that you're going to get nowadays. No, I mean, you're right. Even I think the only other comedy we're competing with right now is Ryan Reynolds in a video game or whatever. <laughs> like that's, and but the, and it's this giant, huge tent pole type picture. 
and yeah like maybe the other like recent comics or like again not to rag on ryan reynolds but it's like deadpool and and things like that like people are looking for these you know even even some of the bigger comedies that have come out are like action comedies no 100 percent it's gotta have this big shootout yeah and, and all that and and it's like there's nobody making just like there's nobody making Caddyshack anymore. You know, there's nobody making What About Bob? You know, like, no one is doing, like, these small character-driven stories anymore because everything's got to be this big fucking spectacle. Well, and he, I miss it. it. I miss the old comics. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, something, uh, Blake, you just said, too, Marvelized. I fucking want to kiss you right on your fucking cheek for fucking saying that because Come on over, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I fucking have, I've been saying it for a while. I'm, and listen, and I'm coming from a guy who grew up loving Batman movies and stuff, but my dick does, is not engraved with Marvel. Like I'm not a Marvel fucking guy. I'm not like, Oh, I'm going to go see Endgame. Like, I'm sorry. That shit's so played out. And isn't that Ryan Reynolds movie? Isn't that like, isn't he like have super fucking powers or something? Isn't it called free man or whatever? Yeah. Exactly. Again, it's a Marvel movie. Exactly. It's it's another big tentpole just thing that probably has a few jokes in it. And yeah, maybe, I don't know. I think we might be onto something with Marvel because that is one of the things that irks me about those movies is that everyone's like, oh my God, they're so funny. Oh my, did you see Thor got fat? Oh my God. And so like, they're just like, it's just... I, I, I fucking rue the day that like Marvel decided that they were going to be funny because then I feel like it's killed the smaller comedy because people think those are comedies. Like it's, it's really, it's really a strange landscape right now for comedy movies, especially in Hollywood. Now I'm telling you right now, there's, it's something that's happened. And I honestly think, uh, there's so many people like to me, I don't need to watch a fucking Marvel movie. I can tell you everything that's in it. And here's the bottom line. You're going to get more from a fucking John Candy film. You're going to retain more one, inter- oh, yeah. one entertainment value two a fucking life lesson, a good theme more than you are from fucking Endgame. Okay. Fucking the dude with the fucking gemstones on his fucking hand fucking killed all your superheroes. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like the landscape of film right now, it has driven my dick so far in the fucking dirt. I'm, I'm itching China right now. It's fucking, I've never experienced anything like it where everybody is going to see a fucking Marvel movie or something that they're trying to pass off as a comedy, but it's a superhero, (laughs) goofy, there's superpowers, someone's moving something. It's all fucking, it's goofy, it's stupid. And I go back 15, 13, 12, 11, 10 years, and it makes me appreciate even like the PG or PG-13 fringy, goofy comedies that are more aimed towards like 15-year-old girls, like Easy A. I think that movie has more fucking retention value and has more, means more in a cinematic universe than one of those fucking Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I don't know, I don't want to knock people that like. It. I mean, if you like it, that's fine. You know, I I like a lot of things that people probably are like. I you know I can't believe you like that shit. But I'm just I'm more interested in, in in smaller comedies, and you know, like really the only guy that's making straight comedies right now is fucking like Kevin Hart. Like that's it, really. Like, and it's weird to think, and, and the only reason he gets that stuff made is because he's a a giant comedian who sells out stadiums and things like exactly that. and that's he's the only guy and even a lot of his stuff is like still action fucking comedy like ride along and, and yeah exactly comedy. yeah it's but, i mean he, he does make things like night school and, and and stuff like that where you're like okay that's a little more you know character driven and and not so much i think the other the other comedy killer lately and, and it pains me to say this um you know because I, I actually do like the hangover movies i, I think they're fun but uh, that's a genre too that's been played to death, like the the crazy party genre, like everyone's right. getting fucked up yeah. off this Christmas party. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> bad teacher, bad, bro, doing drugs. Like it's just 
that's another genre where it's like, all right, I think I'm over that fucking. I think it's genre. <laughs> it's it's overthinking, and you guys can speak to this. I think it's overthinking what your plot needs to be in a comedy. I think, especially you guys, kind of nail it with yours. They're fucking guys that want to be wedding videographers. Like, yeah. it's that fucking. Is it not like that simple? It's that simple, right? And then you create the chaos in the comedy around the concept. You don't need, oh, he's riding in a car and he fucking shot someone and there's a fucking jewel case and also there's a love fucking thing <laughs> and they're in the fucking toilet together and they have a moment and then there's something crazy that happens and, and then there's, it has superpowers. Like, it's, it's this, Richard Pryor, moving, simplest fucking yep. concept of a movie ever made extraordinarily funny. Yeah. And again, it's just he has to move his family to a new town. Like that's that's what it is. Like he loses his job and has to go somewhere else. Like, but it's Richard Pryor, and they found ways to make it funny. There's neat characters in that movie that show up. Uh, John Candy, like John, he's a prime example of like someone who's a huge influence on me. Uh, yeah, great outdoors. John Candy goes on vacation, and uh, his his terrible brother-in-law shows up and hilarity <laughs> ensues like that's it that is the fucking plot exactly what about bob like a uh, psychiatrist patient visits him on his vacation and drives him nuts like i mean that, it doesn't need to be like yeah like like where's the usb drive with the, the the plans on it for the nuclear bomb oh no oh my god kumail nun and johnny's a, a, an uber driver but now he's an action star <laughs> with the guy from wwe or whatever you're like oh my god just guys fucking calm down <laughs> no that's a i think they're people want to think that they're smarter than they are like, oh, well, that's not funny. It needs to be something. There's got to be deeper levels here and things like that. It doesn't. Everyone forgets that we're fucking... We are animals. Everyone forgets there's there's primal things that still exist in us as humans. You can fucking... You can put suits on us. You can put fucking H&M scarves on us. You can faux hawk the fucking piss out of our hair and everything. The bottom line is there's still a little bit of caveman in there. And I like cave... Oh, yeah. And I like some caveman fucking comedy. I do too, man. Yeah, I just, I, I, I really, what I'm getting at, and a lot of those movies that we're clowning on are, are fine movies. I'm not, I don't want to like shit on, you know, people that are wildly more successful than me. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I personally miss the, the small comedy, you know, like, like just small comedies that come out. I think uh, a really good example of something that, that came out a few years back that I think is really good, a lot of people don't, don't talk about, is uh, uh, the promotion with uh sean william scott and john c Riley, it's just these two guys like bucking for a promotion at a grocery store and just somehow ends up being like really funny you know like it's just it's a really small story just really simple but it's character driven and you know there's a there's a nice message behind it and you're just not seeing that kind of stuff anymore which uh kind of bums me out do you think it's a, it's got to be a sign like I mean I mean it's such like an easy thing to say and especially you you know you start sounding like you know probably someone I don't want to you're like it's a sign of the times fuck cancel culture and all this other bullshit <laughs> uh, but at the same time it it kind of is when I see people trying to go back and have revisionist history about movies like just one of the guys or Teen Wolf it's like those movies were made in 1985. They're not supposed to, if they translated today 100% perfectly, we'd probably have being a little bit more fucking of an issue than we are right now. Exactly, you need you need yeah. to enjoy them for what they are. You can't go back and be like, well, take the fucking scene out with Styles or fucking, you know, take Joyce Heiser, fucking fuck her, like cultural appropriational fucking, you can't do that. You need to accept what it is for the time, understand that times have changed. But still enjoy it. You know, we don't need to fucking cancel comedy. These comedies fucking, like, I saw something about Wayne's World. They're fucking canceling Wayne's World. How do you cancel Wayne's Schwing! World? You can't say schwing to a girl uh, you find attractive. You sexual perverted bastard. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's just going too far. You're stretching. Um, they're stretching. They're getting to yeah. the point. They're getting to the okay. point. They're stretching. Yeah, it's 1991, you know, it's not 2021, you know, for Wayne's World. And right. Really, if you can't just sit back and, and laugh at that, then I don't know. You, you got your own issues and 
you're probably hiding something behind this, uh, you know, crusade you're going on anyway. (laughs) And is Cassandra of Crucial Taunt not the most badass female in a movie from 1992? Oh, come on. I'm not going to disagree with you. Come on. But uh showing dream weaver right now as we're talking, so yeah. <laughs> dream uh, weaver. <laughs> so I guess uh to uh as we start to wind down here, who is uh distributing the film? So it is a company called Freestyle Digital Media, uh California based company that's uh, put out put out some decent stuff over the years. Um, yeah, they're the ones that are handling the release, uh, right now it's uh, available on, you know, digital platforms and stuff like that. There is a DVD physical release, uh, supposed to hit shelves in, in September. So, um, yeah, they're, they're doing the film right now. Awesome. So there will be a physical release of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's supposed to be a DVD. Uh, I believe, yeah, like I said, sometime this September. So, yeah. Very, very cool. Now, did you guys with, obviously we're. We're, uh, as soon as we thought we were getting heading towards the clear, we're entering another flux as, as far as the the world being open fully and any and, and everything like that. Is there any is there gonna be any kind of uh, promotional screenings or anything like that? I know this film is was released digitally last week uh, or was it last week or two weeks ago? Uh, two weeks. Ago. Two weeks yeah. ago. Okay. Um, is there any promotional screenings you guys are trying to set up or is that just kind of too much of a, a, a dog hill to get up right now? I don't know. I, I think maybe there could be something like that in the future. I know, I know right now. Yeah. With, with everything that's going on and trying to get a bunch of people in a room these days is, 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 uh, difficult to say the least, even without having to wear masks and, you know, check if they're vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not saying never, but, uh, you know, as of right now, yeah, no plans, you know, really just, just trying to have people check it out at home and, uh, you know, watch it with their, their friends and family and, 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 you know, enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, never say never, you know, we'll see what happens. I'll tell you what, it, this is, uh, this might be a good opportunity to pitch, uh, the Mahoning when they do a comedy night, maybe they headline Caddyshack and, uh, stakeout. And maybe Bergeron Brothers Wedding Videographers is the first opening film. I would be uh, honored to be in that lineup, <laughs> let me tell you. I'm just saying, man, they play a lot of shit. They can squeeze you in. <laughs> I'd just stand right at the door and just ask everyone if they're sure about this. If they're in the <laughs> Bergeron, like, you, you don't have to. It's, you've already seen something great. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, want to, I want to play first. I don't want to, I don't want to follow up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. true yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell everyone that's listening where they can find uh, BPO films, uh, the website, any social media handles, any personal social, 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 social media handles. Sorry, I'm getting a stroke tongue there. Um, but yeah, just uh, let everyone know where they can find you on the internet here. Um, yeah, of course, man. I mean, we're all over the place. It's that simple Google search, but uh, we're definitely over there on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok just recently. Just TikTok, all right. All right. On there. We made a couple of really cool promotional videos, little shorts. And so those are over there on TikTok. Um, and yeah, and, and again, it's a lot of stuff that you can see on like Vimeo or YouTube uh, to find a lot of our shorts and um and things like that yeah and then uh, of course just you could uh, especially if you go to uh, like facebook try to find us send us some messages if you're interested in seeing some of the other films if the uh, some of our older works if they're not out there we definitely have them or the physical copies we have a lot of dvds of our other stuff we're always trying to uh huck out there to people but um yeah and it's pretty so just bpo films that's uh, where you can find us yeah, BPO Films on most uh, social media platforms. Uh, myself, Ben Deedles at Instagram. That's the one I use the most. Uh, like, yeah, Blake was saying, we do have, like, DVDs and stuff that, that we sell to some of our older films um, on our website, bpofilms.com. Um, and, yeah, like I said, simple Google search. You can basically find us on, you know, like we said, most of the uh, social media outlets there. And, yeah. Uh, we're, we're out there, but yeah, Bergeron Brothers Wedding Videographers, it's it's out now. It's wherever you like to rent movies. Uh, I think you can rent it for like five bucks at this point, and 
I mean, shit, what's five bucks anymore, man? Like, fuck, you can, you know, get a fucking biggie bag at, at Wendy's and, <laughs> you know, get Brent Bergeron Brothers. That's a $10 fucking killer night right there. Where are you getting me on a movie for 10 bucks? You ain't. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, shit, even if you got a date, that's two biggie bags and, and a Bergeron brother. That's $15 date right there. I mean, shit, that's, uh, that's a lot of bang for your buck, let me tell you. All right, two I two things I'm going to throw out here. One, when we get that DVD uh release, let's let's see if we can get 11 by 17 poster of that of that beautiful artwork. Oh, I can get you one. I can get you one of those. I like I I like the idea of a little bundle package, DVD 11 by 17 poster signed by Blake and Ben, I don't know. Um oh, yeah. Ooh, it's coming. There you go right there. Right there's a big yeah. cartel pre-order if I ever saw one. But uh, another thing, is it possible? Because I know I know old Lance was in this film too. Is it possible to get a Bergeron Brothers slash Boonies crossover where you double play <laughs> Cloyd and Flynn? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Never say never, man. I mean, if both of those movies, you know, we haven't seen the sales figures on either of these movies yet, but. If, if they take off and yeah, the Bergeron brothers go to the boonies, uh, <laughs> could totally happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, man. Not for sure. You got me a little kick. I'll get a, a little Kickstarter donation in it if it ever goes up. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll 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 hit up Lance right after we get off here. Yeah, I'll, I'll see I'll see if he's into it. Yeah, I don't Bergeron need brothers go to the boonies. If it, like it if it gets if it gets all the way to production, I don't need any. I give me the Spalding Snickers bar. I'm good. I don't need any yeah. other credit other than that. <laughs> but guys, thanks so much for coming on. This has uh, been a blast. I, I felt good to get the the Marvelization bullshit off my chest. I've been thinking about it for a while. No one's brought it up. I'm glad you did, Blake, because I popped off like a fucking teenager on prom night. Um, You're very welcome, man. You're very welcome. I got all night on that shit. <laughs> Oh, you guys are obviously both welcome back anytime. And, uh, yeah, everyone, uh, check out Bergeron Brothers uh, Wedding Videographers. It's on Amazon Prime, like Ben said, available wherever you're renting your shit digitally. But, of course, we here at the Heart God Media Compound and the Sight and Sound Podcast promote, support, and encourage physical media buying. So when this shit hits digital formats in September, uh place your is order on the inner wizabs and uh guys thanks again i fucking appreciate this is awesome uh chat yeah man thanks for having us on we appreciate you uh helping promote this movie you know it's a small grassroots campaign we're doing now and you know every little bit counts so we really uh appreciate you having us on absolutely same here man thanks so much i had a great time of course thanks guys